You're listening to the Up in Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit upinfrisco.com. We minister to the heart of God through worship and prayer, and we experience his presence transforming us. Um, I just feel like as we're looking to him and enjoying our union with him, but not just with him, but with each other, we're experiencing the power of love transforming us. Um, and that's the vision of, of Upper Room. We, we minister to God's heart through worship and prayer, mor- morning, noon, and night. We experience his presence transforming us. But in this room, I want to say what I've seen is that there are many different streams coming together as one river in this place. There's just so many people in here that have been walking with Jesus for decades. They've, been, they've experienced outpourings of the Spirit in different moves of God. We have people who are, have been deeply impacted and, and are even connected to Bethel in, in Redding, California. We have people who have been, uh, including myself, deeply impacted by Bethel, but also IHOP, Kansas City, the International House of Prayer. I see a testifying hand back there. I mean, thank God for Mike Bickle and the message that he has carried faithfully for so long. And that's just the the bridal paradigm and and shifting history through worship and prayer and fasting. Thank God for the International House of Prayer. And we have people in here who are deeply impacted by uh, Hillsong and the Toronto outpouring and YWAM and, and many others. But I felt like God wanted me to say this tonight, and, and I want you to hear it right. What, ha- what worked for Bethel won't work for us. What worked for IHOP, Hillsong, Toronto Vineyard won't work for us in Frisco because in his wisdom, he has divinely positioned people in this room, in this church, and in this city to shift the city with something new. See, God is... He has gathered and he is continuing to gather people with unique gifts and callings, even past perspectives to do a new work in this region. And in the vision of worship and prayer and transformation, God has gathered awesome personalities. You know, we have the, the Adairs who have just held down the fort in the, in, the, uh, in the prayer room for so long. We've uh, the uh, Robert and, and Shelly White, who've been so faithful to work in the, in the men's and women's ministry. We just have people that God has gathered. And, um, and I want to say that we've drank from many wells, but God is calling us to dig a new one. You guys feel that? If you're anything like me, you've tried to pray like Lou Engle. You've tried to preach like Bill Johnson, lay hands on people like Todd White, prophesy like Cindy Jacobs, interpret dreams like John Paul Jackson, and Shondi like Heidi Baker. (laughs) But it doesn't work, not in the long run. God wants you to be you. He wants me to be me. God designed each of us differently to manifest him in a specific way. And we try, when we try to be like someone else, we actually rob the world of the gift that we are, that God wanted to give the world. Uh, there's one time I was preaching and I got nervous, which still happens quite often. Um, and this was a, a few years back. And um, 
I started thinking, okay, what would, what would Brad McClendon say? Brad is like a, a mentor of mine. He's a cool preacher. And so I started like acting like Brad and talking like Brad. And uh, I even stole like that, that line, you're looking at me like a cow at a new gate. That's a Brad McClendonism. But anyway, it's mine now. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I started acting like Brad, thinking like, what would Brad do in this moment? And for a split second, I saw in the spirit realm, I saw these angels around the room hovering above the you know, heads of people that I was uh, in the church. And they all turned and looked at me confused. And they were like, like, and they're like peering in, like they look really confused. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, um, basically, th- they don't recognize me anymore because I've tried to put on someone else's mantle. And they can't operate the way that they were meant to operate through me when I'm trying to be someone else. <laughs> Thank you. We, y'all can like shout out. I mean, it really encourages me. So anyway, um, Jesus came and he didn't act anything like what they expected, did he? In fact, I mean, that's the reason they killed him, right? They were looking for uh, Yahweh. Yahweh actually showed up in the incarnation, but he didn't look anything like the God that they were worshiping. And so they treated him the way they thought their God would want him to be treated. He didn't come acting like Moses or Elijah. And Jesus, he's literally the man after God's own heart, and he didn't lead like King David. John chapter 1 says it like this. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Do you guys know what it, what it looks like when people try to make Jesus act like Moses? You get John chapter 8, the woman who's caught in adultery. She's dragged before the feet of Jesus, and they're trying to pin Jesus into acting like Moses, right? They're saying, in the law of Moses, this one is supposed to be stoned to death, so what do you say? And Jesus, I actually saw this in the spirit one time. He actually got really excited because what they didn't know is that they had all come to his feet to be delivered. That even though she was dragged out of her bed of adultery to the feet of Jesus, they were dragged out of their spiritual adultery to the feet of Jesus. And he got excited in that moment because he was thinking, how am I going to get them all? <laughs> and he said those famous words, you know, if you if, You've not sinned. You can cast the first stone. And it's really cool because you you see, it actually says from the oldest to the youngest, this revelation like hit them. And the oldest started like dropping their stone and, and walking away. And then, you know, the younger guys are like following suit. And it's almost as if these old guys are saying, I've been alive a long time. I've seen a lot of tense situations, but I've never seen anything like this. And Jesus' anointing and ministry in that moment delivered that whole crowd in a moment. You know what's exciting? I'm excited about this. When I'm celebrating forever on the Crystal Sea, I'm going to see some of those guys who had stones in their hands. And they're going to say, that moment marked me forever. Yeah. 
And when Jesus said, you know, if you've not sinned, you can cast the first stone, he wasn't just saying that none of y'all can throw a stone. He was actually saying, I got dibs on this one. Because who was he? Had he ever sinned? He's the only one who could have thrown a stone. And so when he's standing there, and this sweet woman who's been caught in a horrible act, and it's just he and this, and this girl and a pile of stones, and everyone else has walked away, did he pick up a stone and finish her off, according to the law of Moses? No, because grace and truth came through Jesus. She experienced mercy that changed her forever in that day. What does it look like when people try to get Jesus to act like Elijah? Well, you get Luke chapter 9, when Jesus and his posse are traveling through a region of Samaria to get to Jerusalem. The Samaritans don't want to give lodging to Jesus and his disciples. And so there's a lot of like racial reasons why and animosity between um, the Jews and, and the uh, Samaritans, but essentially, uh, John, the apostle of love, has this idea and says, Lord, you want us to call down fire and kill these guys? <laughs> Which is something Elijah did. It, it's right there in, in 2 Kings chapter 1. He, two different times he called down fire and turned a bunch of people into crispy critters. And uh, have you ever wondered why they chose that moment to, you know, ask Jesus if they could call down fire from heaven? Because at the beginning of the chapter, they met Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was actually the very, it was the day before. And so now when they run into these people who are resisting Jesus, who are standing against them, they thought we're going to treat them like Elijah and Jesus is going to be into it. Let's call down fire and kill these guys. So they wanted to manifest racism, hatred, and, and murder. And that's uh, those who built the church. Um, <laughs> so the day before, the disciples met Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, I should say, the three. And... Um, Moses and Elijah are special. They're not just representative figures uh, in the Old Testament. They're essentially uh, figures of the Old Testament. They, they represent the law and the prophets. The law came through Moses, and Elijah is the quintessential prophet. And so um, they show up on the mountain, and, uh, and Peter tries to figure out how to make a place for all three of them, right? thinking, I'm, I'm going to set up some shelters. It's good for us to be here. And, you know, this is Moses and Elijah. And so they're heroes to Peter, James, and John. And Peter's thinking, how do we, like, accommodate these guys and get them to stay here and let's set up tents or let's set up shelters. And then the voice of the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And then shoop, the encounter ends and there's only one left on the mountain. And so the, the law and the prophets showed up and their final mission, their final testimony was to hand things off to Jesus to carry out what they could never complete on their own. And all that was left standing on the mountain, it's Jesus. 
See, it would be Jesus Christ who would fulfill the law and the prophets. It's in Jesus that the goal of the law and the dreams of the prophets is fulfilled. Jesus even said this at the beginning of his ministry. He said that he didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. What the law and the prophets could never do, the incarnation did. Jesus did. And he wrote the law on our hearts. And he made it so that all of his sheep could hear his voice. And the message that you're always going to hear from me at Upper Room Frisco is always going to be at the, about the kindness of Christ and the goodness of our God who is love and that his power is for today.